Good evening. We'll do keep that um, passage open in Luke. Uh, the other day I was walking around in John Lewis um, and I was uh, just perusing the toys to see what there, what there was this Christmas. Um, and there was just a little boy running in and out of the aisles, very excited looking at all the different toys that they were there. Um, what I found fascinating was his mother who was lagging desperately behind him, calling after him. Um, and she was calling after him and this is what she said to him. Remember, Father Christmas sees everything, and that means you've got to be good. It's interesting, isn't it? Father Christmas sees everything, and so you better be good. Well, you hear it every year, don't you, in the department stores, through their piped music. He sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. He knows when you've been bad or good, so be good for goodness sake. Now, I'm not going to sing again, so that's it for tonight. (laughs) You see, Santa sees everything. And so you better be good or you won't get any presents this Christmas. So the message goes. But I wonder whether you've seen anybody or know of any child who's not got presents at Christmas for being bad. I mean, that little rascal in John Lewis was going to wake up on Christmas morning to to toys surrounding the tree, wasn't he? And yet it's a bit different from how we think about Jesus at Christmas. Now, I love the, the story about George. Uh, George uh, grew up in a, a Christian family, and so one year his parents decided to tell him not to write to Santa. Uh, rather, they encouraged him to write to the Lord Jesus that Christmas. And so George sat down at his little table, and he got his, his pens and pencils out, and he got his paper out and started to write. Uh, Dear Lord Jesus, I've been good all year. Please can I have a wee for Christmas? Uh, he then realized that he hadn't been good all year, and Jesus knows everything. Uh, So he thought he better start again, so he scrumpled up that piece of paper and started again. Uh, Dear Lord Jesus, I've been good for the last month. Please can I have a wee for Christmas? Again, uh, George realized that that wasn't quite true, and so he thought he better start again. He scrumpled up the paper and starts again. Uh, Dear Lord Jesus, I've been good all day. Um, Again, George realizes he can't fool um, Jesus. And so he sits there at his little red table in a mild despair thinking, what on earth is he going to do? Um, And as he was sitting there thinking, he saw the little nativity scene that his parents set up every year. Um, So he saw the shepherds, uh, he saw the angels, uh, Joseph and the the Virgin Mary looking into the, the crib of the baby Jesus. And at that point, George had a great idea. And so he strode across the room and picked Mary up and slipped her into his pocket. Back at his red table, George began again. Dear Lord Jesus, if you ever want to see your mother again... (laughs) It's it's what we think about Christmas though, isn't it? Santa is kind and generous, but Jesus is mean and nasty. Santa will give us presents even if we've been bad. Jesus... Well, he's not going to give us anything. Which is why I find the passages we read tonight really surprising. These passages written by Luke, who was a doctor, who he tells has carefully researched the stories which he's written here. You see, it's not a a once upon a time in a land far away kind of story. This is a, a history kind of story. He's written it down. Uh, He's written it down during the time of Caesar Augustus, he tells us, while Quirinius was governor, people from history. And in Luke's carefully researched history, we see people and angels rejoicing and praising God 
because the baby's been born. We saw the angels rejoice, telling us they've got news of great joy. The shepherds investigate the news and they leave praising God. And later in that passage we just read at the end there, Simeon in the temple sees the child and praises God. He takes him up in his arms, lifts him up and gives thanks to God. That old woman, Anna, even picks up, looks at the child and gives thanks to God that this child is born. It's quite overwhelming, the praise which people have for the Lord Jesus. And yet when you think of Jesus, do you think about great joy? Does the Christian message fill you with thankfulness to God? And so why all the joy when we think Jesus is just mean and nasty and doesn't give us anything? Well, the reason is found in sentence 11, in verse 11. If you, if you see that in your passage there. It says, Today, in the town of David, a Saviour has been born to you. Today, in the town of David, a Saviour has been born. This is, this is a test, really, whether you understand Christmas. It does that statement, a Saviour has been born. It warm your heart. Does it make you want to rejoice like the angels? Does it make you want to rejoice like the shepherds and Simeon and Anna? Do you rejoice when you hear that a saviour has been born? If you don't, if that doesn't warm your heart, it doesn't want to make you rejoice, then you've not understood the message of Christmas. And so what is it that we're missing that the shepherds and the angels got? Well, you see, to say that a saviour has been born implies that someone is in need of saving. I once helped at a youth summer camp, and as part of that camp, we had an afternoon of activities. And one of the, one of the activities was the campers were all on different teams, and one of the, the afternoon tasks was to run down to the swimming pool, jump in and get something off the bottom of the pool, which was going very well until the boy who couldn't swim arrived. And he had, he had run all the way down the hill, and the poor lad got there and looked like he was going to pass out before he got there, but he just kept on going and launched straight into the middle of the pool. He got to the bottom of the pool all right. <laughs> but that lad needed a saviour to jump in and pull him out. He needed rescuing. He needed saving, otherwise that pool would have been in the end of him. You see, a saviour has been born. It's what the angels tell us. And so who needs saving is the question we need to ask. And yet look at the, the answer that the angels give in verse 10. You see, you might have missed this when it was read. He says, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. All the people. You see, the person who needs saving is everyone. We all need rescuing. All of us. Now, you might be thinking, but I'm not a bad person. No, I, I think that about myself. I, I don't steal. I, I've never murdered anybody. I'm not a terrorist. Um, I've never been a dentist. Um, however, there are those times when I try to forget about uh, the time that the mask slips slightly. Uh, I remember uh, one guy at university, and to my shame, I got him by the collar and threatened him for, for nothing really. The, the mask slipped slightly. I've recently been told that my sister has a letter that I wrote to her um, and I was being less than kind in that letter. You see, times when the mask slips slightly, the times that we try to convince ourselves that we're not really like that, 
And yet it seems to happen time and time again. The, the mask slips. And I wonder whether you have that same experience as I do. The times when those, the mask slips, wonder. Now I wonder, have you heard this? Have you, I wonder how you've made of the, the WikiLeaks scandal in the last few weeks. And it's been amazing, really, to see the furor that that's caused. And you hear people, don't you, on either side, um, arguing for the good or otherwise of, of the leaks. You hear people say that democracy needs such openness. We can't hide things. Uh, to others who claim that it's like opening your next door neighbor's post when it gets delivered by mistake. But whatever side you take on the WikiLeaks um, uh, saga, I just want you to imagine for a moment um, that what's been leaked on WikiLeaks is not U.S. diplomatic um, cables. But it's everything that you have done. It's all your emails. It's all your phone conversations. All the conversations you've had in the kitchen, in the staff room. And everything is being leaked on WikiLeaks. I wonder how that makes you feel. You see, imagine if it was even worse than that. Because not only is it everything that you have done and everything that you have emailed, all the conversations you've had. Imagine if it was everything that you have ever thought about anybody. It's all going to be up there on WikiLeaks. Those thoughts you've had about your flatmate, at the time you wished your brother was dead, the time that you wished that it didn't happen like this and everybody else was just out to get me, all those terrible thoughts that you have in your mind up on WikiLeaks. That thought terrifies me. But you know, there's something which should terrify us even more than WikiLeaks should terrify us. There's something more terrifying than your friends and your flatmates knowing everything that you have ever thought about them. And it's something which is a reality right now. And that is that God sees and God knows you. He knows everything about you. That nothing is hidden from his sight. Everything is laid bare before him. He knows how you've treated other people. He knows how you've spoken about other people. He knows what you've thought about other people. But worse than that, he knows how you have treated him. He knows that you've not given him the honour that's due his name. That you've lived really as if he didn't exist. And you know, we get an inkling what it would be like to meet God and knowing that kind of thing. And we see it in verse 9. You see the angels, the shepherd's reaction when angels appear to him. So verse 9 says, And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. The shepherds are terrified at meeting angels. You know, when you know that God knows every single thing about you, then you are doomed doomed. You're helpless. You need a saviour. You know, Armin is a a lifeguard friend of mine who used to patrol one of the beautiful northern beaches in Sydney. And he told me of people, he said it would happen time and time again. There would be people out in the waves, obviously struggling, deep in the waves. Now, I have no experience of being deep in the waves because I was scared when I got up to my thighs. But Armand told me that there would be people obviously in trouble, unable to get back to shore. And so he would paddle out on his surfboard to give them assistance. He said, but more often than not, those people who were obviously struggling in the water would just say to him, nah, mate, I'm right. 
And Armin said he would just hang around for a bit. And sooner or later they would be desperate for help. You know, it's hard to ask for help. But those people needed help. They needed to recognize their need and ask for the help. They needed a saviour. And the same is the same for us. We need a saviour. And the wonderful news at Christmas is that God has provided the saviour for you, which is why it is such good news, which would make us rejoice when we hear the angels say, a saviour has been born. A saviour has been born. You see, for those who are not deceiving themselves about themselves, that is the best news you can possibly hear. A saviour has been born. There is someone who can reach down and lift you up and set your feet on solid ground again. God has provided for all people good news. He's provided a saviour. Jesus Christ, that little baby, God become man so that he could pay the penalty for us. You see, Christ came that he might grow into a man so that he might die on a cross so that we might live. Jesus was born so that he could die on the cross to take the punishment that was due to us, to our account. He took it upon himself and died in our place. A saviour has been born. You know, I love Christmas. I love seeing my children's faces as they come into the lounge and see the presents and as they open the presents. I love the presents that I get at Christmas. I'd love to get an iPad this Christmas. If you see my wife, could you convince her that I actually really do need an iPad for Christmas? You know, I can remember some of the great presents that I got in Christmas's past. I particularly remember the laser gun that I got. It was great. It made sounds and shot out a little red light. It was brilliant. You know, I also remember my brother knocking out of my hand, and I can picture it spinning through the air and smashing um, on the floor. It's my experience with a lot of presents, I think, though. They either break, or they get lost, or they wear out, or they just lose their fascination. You know, Santa brings us great things, but Jesus is real. Jesus is a saviour. The gift of a saviour at Christmas never wears out. He never breaks. He never loses his fascination in us. This gift saves us. It never spoils or perishes or fades. This is a gift which will take us to heaven, to a place of great joy and happiness. And that's the reality that makes Christmas truly remarkable. It's why we celebrate at Christmas, because a saviour has been born. You see, you need to see your need of a saviour. Be honest with yourself, you need a saviour. Don't continue to deceive yourself about that. Now you might think tonight you want to investigate that further. Can I encourage you to investigate that further? You'll see this card in the the pack of stuff you got as you came in. That is something which gives you information about how to make a new start with God in the new year. Please come back and investigate further to see what this Christian message is about, why it is such good news, why you need to know it for yourself. But tonight you might see clearly your need of a saviour. You might see clearly that, that you need rescuing. And that Jesus Christ is the one who can rescue you. So you know, the way that you 
Jesus becomes your saviour is by asking him. You admit that you need saving and ask him to be your saviour. If you're honest with yourself and want to ask Jesus to be your saviour, then I'm going to pray in a moment. And you could pray this prayer and ask Jesus to be your saviour. Let me just read the prayer for you so you know what it's going to say. It says, Dear God, I know that I am not worthy to be accepted by you. I don't deserve your gift gift of eternal life. I am not good. I need saving. Thank you for sending your son to be my saviour. Thank you that he died for me, that I might be forgiven. Thank you that he rose again from the dead to give new life. Please forgive me and change me, that I may live with Jesus as my ruler. That's, that's the prayer. Now I'm going to pray that prayer again, line by line. If you want to, to pray that, ask Jesus to be your saviour, then you can do that right now. Just repeat the, 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 line, the sentences in your head, in your heart, praying them to God. Dear God, I know that I am not worthy to be accepted by you. I don't deserve your gift of eternal life. I am not good. I need saving. Thank you for sending your son to be my saviour. Thank you that he died for me that I might be forgiven. Thank you that he rose again from the dead to give new life. Please forgive me and change me that I may live with Jesus as my ruler. Amen. If you, if, if you have prayed that prayer tonight, then you can be assured that God hears and God forgives and grants eternal life to all those that truly ask. Now, if you've, if you've prayed that, would you tell me after the service? I'll be on at the door at this side and Stu will be on the door at the other side. You could tell him as well because we would love to, um, to give you one of these booklets as you leave. If you just, just come up to me and say, I, I prayed that prayer and, I, and I'll give you a booklet. Yeah, so please do that. And before you, before you leave, if you have prayed that prayer.